Good morning. My name is Corey Bennett. Here, guest hosting United and Heal America with Matt Mattern today. Uh, today we have a special guest. It's Denny Perret from the Catalina Island Conservancy. Good morning. How are you, Denny? Good morning. Most excellent. Always on the island. You're feeling good. Good, good. Well, speaking of the island, uh, for those of us uh, who might not live in California or haven't ventured over here, um, uh, where is Catalina Island? Not a lot. Not a lot of people know about the islands of California, uh, but they are quite spectacular. Catalina uh, Island is uh, thirty twenty nine miles uh, south southwest of Long Beach. It's about twenty two miles long and eight miles wide. It's a pretty rugged island. Um, that has the highest point of 2,000 feet. There's good hiking and, and uh, climbing. Uh, it's, it's a Mediterranean-type island, like uh, the rest of California, which makes it uh, kind of a global hotspot for, for biodiversity, and, uh, and that's what we do. Uh, the island has uh, uh, about 4,000 very lucky people living on it on a permanent basis and about 1 million visitors a year. Uh, people come to Catalina to uh, uh, to hike, to bike, to uh, fish, uh, to enjoy many beaches around the around the island. Um, so this is one of the favorite spots for for people in Southern California to come and have an island vacation. I personally have not been, but I I do know that people bike there because my mother had a bike accident on it. Uh, nothing serious, but uh, uh, she raved about the island otherwise. Um, <laughs> Well, we do have we do have rangers that are regularly um, patrolling the island, uh, and uh, and they take care of, of people and make sure that nobody has a very serious accident. So you said it's about thirty miles off of Long Beach. Uh, how would one get to Catalina Island if they wanted to visit? You can you can get to Catalina in various ways. Um, swimming not recommended. Uh, the the other uh, more standard ones are the uh, ferry boats that come from. Uh, San Pedro, uh, Long Beach, and Dana Point. If you're closer to San Diego, um, they they operate year round, uh, more frequently so in the summer than in, than during the rest of the year. But now that the season is expanding, um, they're they're becoming more and more frequent uh, throughout the year. Uh, other people come by um, by their private boats. There are a number of of, of private uh, boat clubs around the island. Uh, and then there's also a way of coming with a jet ski, a little bit adventurous for those who like to do that. Uh, there, there's a service operating out of Long Beach, um, and then uh, there's a helicopter service uh, as well. We we also operate uh, the airport uh, here on the island. It's um, it's uh, a very interesting one called uh, Airport in the Sky, uh, and the reason that it has its name is that it really is a top of the mountain that was shaved off and turned into a into an airport so uh, um, that is how we get some of the visitors but that is how we also get some of our mail um, we depend quite heavily on um, on ordering things online <laughs> so we get that through the airport uh, and uh, or we get it through a barge uh, that comes to the island every day unfortunately the postal service had to uh, eliminate its jet ski fleet so that makes sense right yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, um, how long have, how long have you been working with the conservancy? I have I have joined conservancy last year in October. Uh, I am uh, I am Serbian uh, uh, from the Mediterranean, uh, but spent many years in the states uh, getting my PhD and 
I worked on uh, Guam and I worked in the in the Midwest. Um, but then last uh, 15 years, I worked in the Mediterranean. And when I got to Catalina, I had a, a sense of familiarity. Uh, Catalina is basically like a Mediterranean island, but in fantastic shape. Uh, so I, I, you know, it, it smells like Mediterranean. It feels like Mediterranean. It sounds like Mediterranean. Even people that get off the, the boats, they look like the Mediterranean tourists you would have in, in Sicily or Sardinia or, you know, some islands off, off the coast of Croatia. And, and what does the Conservancy do? Well, we have a, 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 um, a very interesting uh, a mission. Uh, we we um, manage 88% of the island. Conservancy was created in uh, 1972. Uh, the rest of the island is uh, in, in charge of the uh, Catalina Island Company that manages most of the tourism activities on the island. So we are a, a nonprofit uh, with a, a three-legged mission. Uh, it's uh, conservation, uh, education, and recreation. So in short, uh, our task is to uh, uh, keep the island uh, healthy, uh, to restore it, uh, to uh, build constituency that will help us conserve it in the future through our education programs, and then to keep the island open for a recreational access. Um, so those, those uh, three things that, um, that we do are, are key to our uh, mission. So uh, our education program interacts with um, primary schools and with middle schools on the island through various programs. We have island explorers, kids in nature. Uh, we have recently moved on to do more online uh, engagement for people uh, off the island in terms of in, in times of COVID, which has been very successful. Uh, and then the recreational part uh, is we manage 165 miles of, of roads and trails. Um, we have a biker, camper, um, we have um, uh, access for boats, we have uh, educational camps on, in the coast, so that's part of our recreational mission. And I'll never forget when I was eight years old and first went to Yellowstone National Park and saw bison for the first time. Uh, but if I didn't know better and I, and, I, and I took this jet ski over to Catalina uh, or landed at the airport in the sky, um, I would be pretty shocked to see that there are bison on Catalina Island. Is that right? Yep, there are bison, and, and, and a number of people don't know uh, that they are here. But then there's a number of people who actually come to Catalina to see bison. Uh, bison is, uh, is um, there will be soon celebrating 100 years on the island. Uh, they were brought here as, as part of an effort to, to shoot a movie. If you talk to islanders, you were here various versions of what that movie actually was and what did the crew really do and what did they want to do afterwards. But the, they, they stayed uh, over the years. Uh, uh, some some uh, more were brought, but even more were actually removed from, uh, from Catalina. So from that initial herd of 14 and a few more that were brought afterwards, um, at some point they, they came to be about 600 bison on the island which was deemed to be uh, a bit too much for the, for the system. Uh, and then uh, they were removed and uh, they were donated to uh, uh, Lakota Reservation in North Dakota. Uh, and now we manage the herd at, a, at or around 100. Uh, so, so this is a herd that uh, uh, we feel is primarily feeding on grasses. Uh, it's manageable, controllable, uh, and, uh, and providing uh, income for the local economy as as many people 
love to go on tours to see the bison. And, and this is kind of an emblematic cultural symbol now of, of Catalina. And speaking of animals, I understand that the uh, Conservancy has had uh, great success with uh, with foxes as well. Is that right? Yeah, that's uh, one of the one of the things that we are um, very proud of. Uh, the fox is a, is a very interesting species. It's uh, uh, smaller than the one on the mainland. Uh, it's, it's endemic to to our island, so uh, we have a we have a subspecies that doesn't exist anywhere else. It is extremely cute. Um, they they feed on whatever they can get their uh, little paws on, uh, including cactuses. We have uh, we find foxes that are all smeared with uh, red, and uh, they've been rolling around cactus and, and, and eating it. Uh, they also feed on mice um, and other small mammals and reptiles they can catch. Um, so um, when we get into the next session, we can spend a little bit more time in in talking about about the fox. But I would just say that. Uh, this was the fastest recovery of a federally uh, endangered species in the history of the program. So from when the species was listed as being uh, endangered to the time when, when we took it off the list, uh, we're only a little bit over a decade past. So this is uh, one of the biggest success of the conservation movement. Very proud of it. And we uh, continue to invest uh, in the fox by monitoring, uh, by uh, uh, tracking where they are moving uh, and finding out more about the threat that uh, uh, initially led to foxes decreasing from from some fifteen hundred down to only one hundred. Um, but we can spend a little bit more time uh, talking about that and in the context of what the actual organization does in conservation uh, in our in our next session. And how long um, how long have foxes been on the island? They probably were here for thousands of years, 5,000 years, more than 5,000 years. Um, so we, we consider them to be uh, native um, and, uh, and we consider them part of our, of our natural heritage. Well, that must have been quite a day when uh, the foxes were roaming around and suddenly a herd of bison showed up, huh? <laughs> hey, Jackie, you won't believe what I saw this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, have, you been, have you been eating that cactus again? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that uh, brings us to a good, a good stopping point for now. Uh, we'll be, we'll be back to talk uh, more about foxes and other animals and the conservancy. That brings us to uh, the end of the segment. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. I'm Corey Bennett, covering for Matt Mattern on Unite and Heal America on KABC. As you may know, your host, Matt Mattern of Unite and Heal America, is also the founder of Mattern Law Group. Their team of experienced employment, consumer, and environmental attorneys are dedicated to leveling the playing field by giving everyone access to the highest quality legal representation. Contact 844-MLG-FOR-YOU. That's 844-MLG-FOR-YOU or 844-654-4968. 844-654-4968. We are back on United Heal America with Matt Mattern, except I'm Corey Bennett today covering. And we're here with Denny Perret from the Catalina Island Conservancy. Uh, we were talking about foxes when we went to the break, and we still want to talk more about foxes. Denny, what is it about foxes uh, that is just so amazing that you, you need to continue with? Well, like, like we uh, spoke in the last segment, uh, they're, they're extremely cute. Uh, they're endangered. 
uh, and they're only to be found on our island. So it makes it an emblem for our conservation work. What happened here was that in 1999, there was a virus that came to the island from uh, possibly from a raccoon and wiped out uh, the population of the foxes from what was about 1,300 down to under 100. Uh, and it was only a population of foxes that survived on the west end of the island, which is separated by the rest of the island through a narrow isthmus. Um, and then, uh, then the Conservancy jumped into action with Institute for Wildlife Studies. Uh, we set up uh, a captive breeding program, uh, brought them back, and then we started a very extensive uh, uh, vaccination program. So what we do now is that uh, we uh, um, are aware of the fact that that virus might come again. So what we do is we vaccinate foxes, but we also put telemetry collars on them and follow them around the island so that we can detect when one of the collared foxes dies. We go, our biologists go and check it out and make sure that it's not uh, another virus outbreak. So for us, it's, it's pretty important that um, for, for our guests to, to uh, um, keep their dogs on, on, on leash when they're visiting the island because, you know, a dog can get a, get a virus uh, on, on, the, on the mainland and it takes some days before you find out that, you know, Fido has a virus uh, and then uh, that can be passed on to foxes. So when people come here, it's just being extra careful to, to keep dogs on the, on the leash. And did that disease impact any other species on the island? No, it was just a fox. It's a canine distemper virus. So uh, it got to, got to the foxes. Um, and like I say, you know, thankfully, there was an isolated population that survived. Uh, we knew what the virus was. Um, and so this is a part of the program that not only us, but other Channel Islands implement on, on their subspecies of the fox. And speaking of uh, your success stories with, with animals, um, um, a lot of folks think you have to go to the Pacific Northwest uh, to truly enjoy the bald eagle population. But it turns out they could just come to Catalina. Is that right? Yep, they can, they can come to Catalina. That's another uh, success story that we are very proud of. Uh, bald eagles, for those people who don't know, were, were uh, almost wiped out by uh, DDT, um, a chemical used to uh, uh, control uh, insects. Uh, and what that does is um, when, when DDT gets in the water, it gets into fish and then it accumulates in the eagles. Uh, and it causes eagles to produce uh, eggs that have very thin shells and shells break. Uh, so that was a, that was a cause of almost um, disappearance of, of uh, bald eagles. So what we did uh, again in partnership with Institute for Wildlife Studies was to uh, to capture rear some of the chicks um, and and make conditions for them to come back. So now we had uh, last year we had uh, eight bald eagle chicks in six nests uh, successfully hatch on on Kaleen Island. So our visitors can uh, can get to see the the nests. Uh, which are huge. And, you know, when you think of, of uh, I mean, even for me as a biologist, the surprise was, you know, let's go see a, a bald eagle chick. And you're thinking you're going to look at something this big. My goodness, that is, you know, yay big. <laughs> uh, so they're, they're, their chicks are, are massive by the time they, they get to Wolf Ledge. But uh, yes, you can see them uh, around Catalina. A fishermen know, uh, fishermen have encounters with them. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, they're just a wonderful sight to see. Uh, I imagine between the bald eagles and the foxes, the uh, rodent population is relatively under control. 
But we have we have a, a, a native ground squirrel uh, that is uh, kind of all over the place. Uh, they are a little bit bigger than uh, their counterparts on the mainland, which is what what happens on islands. That's why what makes islands very interesting. We have uh, species that that are getting bigger and species that are getting smaller. Both when it comes to plants, we have some giants giant plants. Uh, when it comes to animals, uh, our our squirrels are 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 bigger. They're they're giants, but our uh, foxes, our bison, uh, are are smaller. Uh, so there are a lot of interesting things happening here here in the island. But we do have some some uh, some mice on the island, uh, uh, and a couple of places where we have problems with with rats. Um, but generally, things under control. Everything's bigger in Texas, but no one talks about it. It's also bigger in Catalina. <laughs> Well, I mean, an interesting thing is that, for example, our hummingbirds uh, have uh, beaks longer than they are on the mainland. Uh, our hummingbirds, we have two species. Uh, they are lovely little critters, and their beaks are about two millimeters longer uh, than they are on the ones on the mainland. And in human terms, this would translate into four inches of height, uh, an average taller if we were humans than ones on the mainland. So. Uh, yeah, they are they are adapting to the changing environment here, at Catalina. There's some flowers on which they feed that recently arrived on the on the island. So their you know evolution is taking place, and our our place is changing. Um, so, you know, kind of uh, speaking of evolution and bringing this back to the present, um, you know, we've talked about some great success stories of the island and what makes it special. Um, what kind of things is the conservancy working on um, right now? Well, our, our uh, main objective as the conservation department that I lead is to help understand what has happened here on the island and where, where is the ecosystem on the island going in the future and what is it that we can do about it. Um, mind you, Catalina was extremely heavily grazed in the past. We had, uh, at any point in time, we had up to 25,000 sheep, 25,000 goats. We had uh, wild pig on the island. Uh, we had, uh, we had uh, cattle. Um, and uh, so um, Catalina Island was was very heavily grazed. Um, uh, so uh, with the disappearance of sheep and and uh, and cow farming, uh, what was left on the island um, in terms of animals that that uh, graze and forage are, are bison, uh, pigs, goats, and deer. Uh, and uh, uh, goats and and pigs are are, are animals that are incredibly destructive to the system, and they were removed recently, um, almost 20 years ago now. Uh, the island is, is greatly recovering from, from uh, that trauma. Um, we have bison in manageable numbers, and we still have a bit of a problem with deer. Uh, they go out and they, they eat the plants uh, that are sensitive or endangered or trying to recover. So we have a number of areas where we fence off uh, parts of the island to keep the deer out. Um, and uh, so, and other, other programs that we have, you know, it's never a dull day here. Uh, we we have a, a, a tiny little mammal, uh, a, a Catalina Island shrew. It's about yay big and a little bit of a tail to it. Uh, it's, I think, that ounce per ounce, the, the, the toughest mammal in the world. Uh, these guys have to, uh, they live only a little bit over a year. They look like a, like a little mouse, but with a longer nose. Uh, they live maybe 14 months. Uh, every day they have to eat their uh, weight in insects. So they're just nonstop 
run, eat, run, eat, run, eat. Uh, uh, they're, they're so active that we can't use regular traps to catch them because if, you know, if a shrew stays in, in, uh, in without food for, uh, for a day, it just might die. Um, and they, they are, again, that's another species that is found only here in, in, uh, on Catalina. We haven't, they're very rare, and we, we actually haven't seen uh, one uh, live uh, since uh, 2006. And only in the last year, we have made two recordings of the shrew. So we have cameras out on the landscape, and we have volunteers uh, helping us go through thousands and thousands of photographs uh, to see if we can discover the little buggers. So, you know, that's it's, uh, part of the excitement of being a biologist uh, here on Catalina is that you get to see something that, hasn't been seen in such a long time. And so that's what we biologists do. You know, we have parties when we discover a shrew. So that's one of the programs. Uh, the other one is yeah, we're recording the bats. Um, we have uh, bat detectors around the island. We just discovered a few new species uh, over the last uh, year. Uh, we have uh, Elena is, uh, is uh, one of the biggest colonies of, of a seabird called the murrelet. They look like little penguins, black on the top and white at the bottom. That when you touch them, their bellies are like made out of out of jello that is impermeable to water. Uh, we go out and do night surveys and and uh, try to protect their uh, nests. Uh, so on on the side of wildlife, like I say, never never a dull day. Uh, okay, well, shrews and, and bats, uh, and and uh, is that uh, are those cameras that you monitor the bats with, or do you have? Uh... Yeah, for 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 bats, we have a. We have acoustic monitors. We have a few of them set up around the island, and then we record uh, their calls. That's the easiest way to uh, uh, to record them. We're planning on putting a few more for shrews. We have cameras, and then uh, for you know, we, we're I mean, part of what we try to do is to use technology as much as we can to uh, get to a point where we can maximize the time of the people that we have on the island to get as much data as we possibly can. And so if any of our listeners wanted to uh, volunteer to oh, yeah. look, look through pictures of shrews or listen to recordings of bats, uh, they could get in touch with you? They, we, we, yeah, we would like to be, build up a much bigger program. And maybe when we continue talking, we'll talk about what uh, volunteers can do to help us. Uh, we have some, some ideas. That, that sounds good. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll leave that as the cliffhanger. Uh, we're here with Denny Perret of the Catalina Island Conservancy talking about bison, shrews, foxes, something for everybody. Uh, we're going to take another break. I'm Corey Bennett on Unite and Heal in America on KABC. We are back on Unite and Heal America. I'm Corey Bennett in for Matt Matter today. And we're still talking with Denny Perret of the Catalina Island Conservancy. And at risk of losing our listeners who just love talking about animals, we are going to make the shift from fauna to flora. Um, Denny, I understand that uh, the island has changed significantly over time, and a part of the Conservancy's work has not just been to handle the animals living on it, but to uh, deal with the, the plant life. Can you talk about that a little more? Well, the, the exciting work of, of the excitement of being on the island is uh, that we are all here fairly new, new arrivals, uh, and that this um, life that we see on the island is, is uh, uh, a part of what is found on the, on the mainland, and then it gets combined in really interesting uh, ways. Um, I just learned from, from one of our uh, um, board members uh, that in 1996, uh, after the El Nino, there was, uh, 
there was an island of debris off the coast of, uh, of San Pedro here that was probably no less than 20 miles wide and one mile deep. Uh, when, when El Nino hit in 1996, uh, all that water rushed down from the canyons and wetlands and, and cities and, and, and made a, a, a humongous island. It may have gone up and down the coast of, of California. I don't know how far north it went, but he he said that with his boat he could not cross that island because it was he went ten miles to the left, ten miles to the right, and it was a mile deep, and there was no way for him to get through. Uh, and on that island, he saw entire trees, uh, entire root balls of trees that that looked like uh, like something maybe from a horror movie with all the insects and bugs and animals uh, on it. Uh, he saw small mammals. Uh, he actually saw deer on on that island. And uh, and then after that event, Santa Ana winds blew uh, that debris to Catalina. Uh, and at that time, we had the debris up, you know, piled up nine, ten feet on our shores. So the entire ecosystems got moved over to the island. That's that's a uh, so that's how in part how things happen here on the island. How how life gets established. On occasion, we will get an individual species coming through either air or or a seed in the in the wind, or somebody flies in, swims to the island, or you know these these uh, massive events when we have a lot of species coming in at the same time. So, you know, an uh, um, island is different from the from the mainland in the sense that one species can take over. Uh, the competition is very different. Uh, for example, uh, a number of our plants. Uh, don't really have defenses for anything that wants to eat them. Uh, the only thing that, uh, that uh, ate plants on the island for the longest time was just a squirrel. Uh, and uh, so when, when uh, goats and, uh, and uh, sheep uh, and deer were introduced, our plants have bigger leaves, softer leaves, less chemicals, uh, and they're like, like candy to, uh, to grazers. So... Uh, what what might be protected on the mainland is not here on the island, and we have to be actively uh, protecting our plants. So we have about total about sixty five species of plants and animals that live nowhere else, uh, and that is one of our primary concerns: is to uh, keep them alive and to recreate conditions that they can uh, survive here on the island. Um, the other, so we have a we have a, a invasive species management program. Uh, we we uh, are in close collaboration with other Channel Islands. Uh, there's a consortium that keeps an eye on the worst of the of the uh, new plants and animals that could come to the island, and we have a, a, a very good and efficient control system, uh, so that we try to eradicate them before they become a problem. And you know, a problem of an invasive species is is one that would take majority of the island or could take majority of the island over, a species that completely change the food webs. Um, so those are the ones we are careful about. And the other aspect of our work is try to, let's say, uh, help the island recover from overgrazing. Uh, so that is to, we have wonderful oaks. Uh, they were trying to, to uh, bring back, perhaps over a, a third of them died over the last century. They're getting old. They're having trouble uh, reproducing. So we help by protecting them. Uh, and, uh, so that's that's a, a part of our part of our effort in the conservation department. This all ties down to fire uh, frequency on the island. It ties down to having more water on the island. So, in 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 very short uh, and straightforward terms, you know, having solid biodiversity on the island will help 
uh, create conditions for human life on the island so that we can have, you know, water, we can have soil, uh, and we can keep this way of life on the island. So there's a, there's a um, unequivocal link between having uh, uh, nature in good shape here on the island and keeping the quality of human life for now and for the changes that are going to happen in the future. I mean, we are experiencing drought. We are experiencing changes in weather events. Uh, and with uh, future changes in climate, just having good, solid uh, ecosystems as a, as a ground you know, uh, baseline is, is just a good strategy for adapting to future. So we do our part. Yeah, I think Californians are pretty tuned in to what's going on with climate change um, from having emergency drought conditions over much of the state to the fire season now being um, just kind of a, a regular feature of, of our years. Um, I'm, I'm curious if, you know, what impact does climate change have on the people who live on Catalina, on the animals and the plants that live there? Is there, you know, there are there similarities to uh, what we see here on the mainland? Yeah, I can, I can give you some, uh, some interesting uh, uh, factoids here. We have a, a species called ironwood, uh, again, uh, a species that is found uh, only on Catalina and another subspecies found on a few northern islands. But um, at the time of dinosaur, this species was widespread in what is now southwestern United States. And it has shrunk, 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 shrunk to where you can only find it now on Catalina and a couple of islands uh, northern California. So this is a species that is, is one of the relics of the past climate changes. Uh, and this is something we're expecting will happen in the future. And now the speed of that will be determined by human activities, but the change is coming. Uh, so we are, we are at the same time a, ref a refugia for some of the plants that might not be able to, the, able to make it to the mainland. But then as the, as the climate changes, you know, we'll have new species coming here. So I think that just being, a, an island in the Mediterranean system where we have very seasonal rain. Um, we talk about average rain on Catalina, but there's no such thing as an average year. We have some, some years with a lot of rain, and we have some years like we have this year where we had little to no rain at all. Um, so it's just uh, having a very strong, robust uh, plant and animal community um, is a good way of, of anticipating this future change because we, you know, it will go one way and we'll go the other way, uh, but we will have, you know, if you have a lot of species and the system is functioning, you're giving it a chance to adapt. And that's, that's very similar to what we're trying to do in, in terms of adaptation to climate change in, in, in our communities, building up resiliency, building up different ways in which we can react to problems, building up speed to react, and then just not doing things that are going to increase that risk is, is the key. So that's the same thing as, as managing communities here. I'm curious, you mentioned the human impact. Um, does the Conservancy have any you know, concerns about the, the level of tourism on the island? Or are there any dangers that, that uh, tourism kind of poses to um, the plants and animals there? Uh, uh, from, from the conservation standpoint, I would say that tourism is, is very well managed uh, here on the island. Mind you, I come from the Mediterranean, where... Uh, a lot of islands and a lot of tourist destinations have been ran into ground uh, by massive tourism development then has since moved on uh, or or completely changed the the nature of the communities or or the nature of the land i don't see that here on catalina 
I see that uh, that the opportunities to experience the island are here. So, um, you know, that's part of, like I said, part of our mission. But I think that the the, the people who get on Catalina either to uh, hunt or to hike or to boat are quite respectful of the land. Uh, and the amount of, of tourism that is happening here is something that I think is within the carrying capacity. So I, I, I mind you, again, I come from, from, uh, from a place that has been just ruined by tourism. And so what I see here is, is quite encouraging. And, uh, yeah, do you, you said there are about 4,000 people who live on the island. Um, you have a sense for how much of that is folks who kind of work in the, um, um, work with, with respect to tourism on the island or how much, how many of it is, you know, vacation rentals and other this is, this is a, this is an entirely tourism based economy. We have little else going on here and, uh, and we de- depend on, on, uh, on, on tourism. So whether you are in the, in the service industry or whether you are, you are, you know, um, uh, retiring here or whether you are doing other kinds of, of business, majority of people living here on the island depend on the, on the pretty robust tourism economy, which helps us make the case for conservation. Again, the reason why people come to Catalina is to experience it's kind of a small island small town quaint feel uh, while having all the amenities, but still being able to go out into the wilderness. I mean, the contrast of going out into the interior of Catalina and experience the coves and the hills and the, and, um, and the hikes and then coming back and having a nice dinner in Avalon is something that is very attractive to a number of people. And so balancing those two are, are critical for the survivorship of the island, which is why we have a pretty broad support from the community for the things that we do. All right. Well, we're about to take another break. Uh, curious, though, what, what's the, the, your favorite thing you've ever done on the island? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have, a, I have a, a top 12 list that I can dis- discuss with you. Uh, but it, I would just say that, you know, I cannot find enough time to do half the things I would like to do because there's just so much. All right. Well, we're going to head into our last break. Uh, we're talking to Danny Perret of the Catalina Island Conservancy. I'm Corey Bennett for Unite and Heal America. We'll be right back. All right, we're back on Unite and Heal America for our final segment with Denny Perret of the Catalina Island Conservancy. Um, I'm Corey Bennett filling in for Matt Mattern today. Uh, we've been talking about the plant life, the animal life, uh, so many reasons to come to Catalina Island. And, uh, you know, there's really been uh, a special arc that I think this, this island has, has had over, over the, the centuries and probably longer since it sprung out, uh, out of the ocean. And Denny, I'm curious if you could just uh, share with our listeners a little bit about that, that evolution. Yeah, I think that whoever got to uh, Catalina and whatever they did, they were pretty happy that they discovered it. Uh, the first uh, human inhabitants uh, came to Catalina probably about 11,000 years ago. Uh, um, they found the island uh, to be more of a pine island uh, than it was now. Uh, and I, I think they had a, 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 a wonderful life here uh, with the abundance of food year-round. Um, they primarily uh, used the uh, marine resources, a lot of abalone, a lot of shells. Um, they also you know, uh, ate some dolphin and, uh, and other marine life. But with the climate the way it is here on Catalina, um, uh, the uh, communities of Maybe about four thousand people lived here on on uh, on uh, Catalina, 
and uh, they they impacted the land somewhat. They for sure burned it, uh, brought the fox. Um, but it was I think of that life as being a very high quality life for for uh, for thousands of years. Um, and then there was the uh, discovery of the island by by Spanish, uh, which was followed by introduction of of uh, goats um, that that have modified the island quite a bit. Um, then there was the then there was the uh, uh, ranching era where island was predominantly used for for um, um, cow and, and sheep grazing ranches. There was some mining happening uh, every now and and then. But I'm just talking about major changes, uh, and now we enter into what is a more a, a, a conservation and a tourism and a recreation era, where the primary use of the land is actually conservation, uh, recreation, and, and using it for for uh, uh, education. So, the, 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 you know, our attitude towards this island, when I say our, I mean the humanities, uh, has has uh, always been, I think, one of admiration. Uh, but also close interaction, like many other Mediterranean systems. Um, these types of systems are are modified and shaped by people who live in it and the choices they make. So it's just now the choices that we want to want to uh, um, uh, preserve the land and 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 open it up for others to be able to experience. I think that one of the important things that looking into the future, uh, Catalina Conservancy and the island can offer to. Uh, people living on the mainland is to experience nature and to get inspired by it. I, I just feel that you know the the future decisions that we make in terms of uh, uh, policies or, or choices about how we will live, how we will use energy, um, what kind of sustainability practices we want to have, this is going to be determined by people living in urban centers. You know, not the four thousand of us living here in Catalina. Um, that's where the voters are, and then, and I think that our responsibility is to. Uh, connect people who live in urban areas to uh, nature, uh, to to see what the choices are, uh, and what is it that we can do to to uh, to make our lifestyles more sustainable. And in that sense, I think that Catalina offers a fantastic opportunity for all the residents of Southern California to experience it that way and to engage with us in having a conversation about what kind of future we want. Well, I'm glad you mentioned engagement. Uh, thinking about the conservancy's priorities, and you know, aside from uh, our listeners coming over and visiting and, and seeing the natural beauty that the island offers, um, what kind of things, what kind of programs does the conservancy have uh, for individuals to to do to get involved uh, to help shape this this next era of the island? Um, I mentioned before some of the education programs we have for for kids here in in local schools. Uh, some of those programs are opening up for participation online. We have a, a naturalist training. Uh, this is how I learned about the island when I applied for my job. It was phenomenal. Uh, our crew from the education department they keep an online naturalist training. I think it's a wonderful way to find out uh, directly about what Kailina is. It's about natural history but also human history of the island. Um, we also depended a lot in the past uh, on volunteer help. Um, a lot of our work requires uh, hard hours uh, pulling plants or planting plants or going through photographs or taking care of the native plants we have here in uh, nursery on, on Catalina. We have a, one of the, one of the uh, largest uh, native plant nurseries on the islands is, is here. Uh, so, and that takes a lot of time. 
so in the past, we have had uh, thousands of hours given to us by volunteers who come and help us do all this work. But during the COVID time, uh, this has been uh, somewhat scaled back. Actually, I would say a lot scaled back. But we are now rebuilding uh, that engagement. We have uh, volunteer camps where you can come and, and camp on the island with pretty good amenities uh, while you're helping us. And there are all kinds of things you can do. We need volunteers to help us maintain trails, like I said, to plant plants, to pull plants, to water plants, uh, to help us with education activities and outreach. Uh, we have a program for, for that as well. So uh, this is one of the ways in which uh, one can experience uh, Catalina on, on a budget uh, while learning a lot and, and helping us uh, achieve our mission. We, we highly depend on this, and I encourage your voters to uh, check out the website. Catalina Conservancy, and to uh, sign up for the volunteer program. Do most of the voters, uh, most of the volunteers, come over for for just one day, or do you have a lot of volunteers who actually spend significant chunks of time? Yeah, we we have we have all kinds. Uh, we have uh, people who come for for a while. Like I say, they stay in the volunteer camps, uh, and they they volunteer at the nursery or the or the invasive species program or whatnot for uh, for weeks and weeks. Um, getting to Catalina is, is not uh, that easy, uh, but we do have some programs to do that. And then we offer these volunteers programs for people living in the island. So there are definitely ways for, for uh, um, your listeners to volunteer at different things and different time scales. And, and for those who uh, can't make it over to Catalina Island uh, or, or volunteer, um, you know, what kind of policy priorities uh, should we be thinking about uh, in California and Sacramento um, that, you know, uh, would, uh, would help preserve the island? Well, I think that they're there. I mean, we are a reflection of what is happening out on the, on the mainland. And I think that Californians are, are starting to address some of those key issues, uh, issues of sustainability, meaning this wise use of our natural resources and trying to live within the confines of, of what we have. Um, uh, I know that, uh, you know, if everybody was to live the lifestyle that is lived in California, I think we would need, I think the number is about seven or eight planets to support that. So everybody can help by kind of making wise choices about the resources that we use on a daily basis that helps us too. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, putting a, a high priority on, on keeping a, a, a nature around us that is functional and that can help support the services on which we depend on, which is clean air, clean water, um, um, but also opportunities to, to engage on a more, let's say, spiritual level or, or human level with nature and, and, and build a relationship with it. Because it's just going to be very hard to convince people to support nature conservation or, or, or you know, make trade off with the land of preserving it vis-a-vis -vis developing it if majority of people have no relationship to that. So I think it's very important to uh, to to do that, um, and uh, you know, then there we have some some of the you know more smaller scale uh, issues that pertain here to Kalina. That is fire management and you know management of 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 deer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think that your listeners on the mainland just uh, you know being a good stewards of the of this. Uh, really, I've been all over the world, and, and people living here in California are so lucky. Uh, it's just uh, phenomenal, the, the kind of land that, that is here, the ocean, the land, and the, the quality of life that Californians could have 
it's just that let's be wise about it and not jeopardize that quality of life by making you know just unwise decisions regarding how much we consume. Let's not get too greedy. You know, I mean, the, the humans will not destroy Earth. Humans will just destroy our our position at the top of the food chain. You know, Earth will survive without us. So I think it's just just uh, just understanding that we now have the power to to determine the future of of life on Earth, and that you know we just want to keep our quality of life. So let's be wise about it. Let's be good stewards. Let's not push it too much. Uh, and then uh, let's secure that you know our kids can just have enjoy this planet as much as as we did. Well, Denny Pere, um, you're an excellent advocate for for this island and for the conservancy. I really appreciate you taking the time today. I want to make sure that our listeners know how to connect with you and the work that, that the conservancy is doing. Um, so um, uh, tell tell them where to go. Well, they can they can go to the CatalinaConservancy.org. Uh, it's a website with plethora of information. They can become our members. Um, it's a it's a wonderful way to to help us uh, to contribute uh, a little bit financially. But also, you know, having having members gives us uh, an encouragement to know that there are people out there who care. Uh, and and so that's a, that's every membership is a signal that there's somebody out there to whom we should hold ourselves accountable. So that's a wonderful way to to help us. And like I said, the natural trainings. Uh, that our your listeners can find on the website, uh, and then when they come here, there are these wonderful tours to experience the island. But that's then level two. You know, once they get here, uh, I'm sure that most of the people who come here once uh, they come again and they they become uh, this part of this community, wanting to help us protect the island. Well, I cannot wait to visit, and I encourage all the listeners to check out the Catalina Island Conservancy. Please give me a call when you before you visit. Let me know. Person. He will give you a personal tour if you show up. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get on a pickup. Exactly. <laughs> Post the cell phone on our website. Um, thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Thank you, Denny, for your time and for the work that you do. Um, I'm Corey Bennett, filling in for Matt Matter today on Unite and Heal America on KABC. Thank you.